Happy New Year! Welcome back! <laughs> um, so, I'm not usually one of those girls who is like, New Year, new me. But really But is. I fucking hope 2021, I'm like manifesting that 2021 is going to be a brand new year. I'm, I think everyone's hoping. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dear God, I don't yeah. think anything could get worse. Yeah. I, we've been pretty lucky throughout it all, though. Yeah, we have. I feel very blessed, but at the same time, I'm like, holy shit, my anxiety has reached an all-time either low or high. I don't know which which one you want to consider. Mental health is very unstable. Yeah, very unstable. But health-wise, we've been very blessed. Yes. Yeah. I just, I really hope that this new year has... A big change coming. Yeah. Manifest it, people. Be Be those girls who are like, new year, new me. New year, new me. (laughs) Go to the gym. Fuck it. Don't let people... That pisses me off. When people are like, new year, new me, and they start going to the gym to get healthy, and then, like, the normal gym people take pictures of them, and they're like, "Mm, everybody (laughs) comes to the gym now, because it's January 1st. That pisses me off. Because that's the only reason you can start going to the gym is because it's January 1st. That pisses me off. (laughs) Don't be that person. No, but but seriously, manifest that 2021 is going to be a good year. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm just like, on a scale scale of one to Nature Valley Granola Bar, how... (laughs) For real. What? How... Much is your life falling apart this year. (laughs) I feel like I'm pretty close to Nature Valley. I am like, when you open the Nature Valley packet and the whole thing is just a crumble. That's what I'm at. (laughs) And you stand up and all the crumbs are on the ground. Yeah, and it's just like, wait, this was a granola bar? Did I buy granola put in my yogurt? That's where I'm at. Wow, what a a really good analogy. Thanks. That's great. Thanks. I always compare myself to a Nature Valley granola bar (laughs) when it comes to my mental health. Yes, how much are you falling apart this year? 2020 has just been like... Wild. The good things that have come of it, though, I got a puppy. Yes. We started our podcast. Yes. We're healthy-ish. Yes. Everyone in our family, knock on wood, thank God, has been healthy. Yes. Lots of good things, but mostly bad. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I haven't been to a grocery store since March. Bryn really won't go. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> I won't. I tried, like, right in the beginning of everything. People are going to, like, think I'm fucking crazy, but <laughs> whatever. Um, I tried right in the beginning, and I had basically, like, a full-blown anxiety attack where afterwards I was questioning, oh, my God, do I have coronavirus? My chest hurts. Like, <laughs> Oh, my God. There's a lot of people like that. Yeah. I, I felt, well, it was also because all the shelves were completely empty. Yeah, and it's and like an apocalypse. Freak, exactly, that's what freaked me out. I'm like, oh my god, it's a fucking apocalyptic situation. I can't do this. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty scary. Yeah. I just hope things are looking up and there's like, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, there's some kind of answers about something. Yeah. And there's like a light in the distance at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully. I'm, I'm thinking with how long it's been, fingers crossed, we're closer to the end of it than we are to the, when it started. I hope. Yeah. I really fucking hope because I'm getting married in 2021, <laughs> so. I was supposed to and I'm not. <laughs> Everybody's not wearing a fucking mask to my wedding. Yeah. Um, I'm not an anti-masker, so don't come at me. I just want to have a normal fucking wedding. Yeah. So hopefully it's better by then. Yeah, I mean, 
having to reschedule a wedding twice just wasn't in my If you're a bride <laughs> that had to move their wedding plans or change everything up for your wedding, let us know because... I feel you, girls. Yeah. <laughs> and, or men, I feel you. Yeah. I mean, my, my whole situation is more so because my fiancé's entire family is in Europe, so yeah. we... In order for people to make it, we have to make sure it's a secure date, like, where people can make it. Right. So, we've had to change it twice, and I'm about ready to say, fuck getting married, because... Let's go to Vegas. I'm over it. I said that to my mom, and she's like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) I was like, mom, why don't we just, like, go to Vegas and have an Elvis wedding? And she was like... Oh my god. She was like, no. We're not getting to that point. (laughs) We're not going that low. That shows where, like I said... Nature Valley Granola Bar. Crumbling. <laughs> Crumbling at the <laughs> touch. <laughs> Anyways, this is our podcast. Welcome. Crime, Cults, and Coffee. And hopefully we have more new people listening for the new year. Yeah, I hope so. It's getting exciting. Yeah. My name's Kelsey. I'm Bryn. And let's get started with our coffee review. Yeah. So today we actually have um, a coffee from a coffee shop that we had already previously reviewed. And that is um, Gypsy Soul Coffee House. And we actually reviewed them on episode 10. Um, and that was uh, Stephen Stainer. Stainer's episode. Yeah. Yeah, so make sure you go back and listen if you want to hear the more detailed explanation of their coffee shop and mm-hmm. beh- the... Their how story. They, yeah, their story and what, what they have in their coffee shop. Because we usually talk about... I don't know if we did with them, but we usually talk about delicious treats or types of coffee that they have there too so listen back for more in-depth conversation because we don't want to repeat it but they were also nice enough to send us not one but two bags of coffee so we have the chance to review them again yes so amazing. amazing yeah we love when that happens and just because one not only did we not ask for that? We asked for, like, the smallest little thing. We're like, little, like, can we two, get a K-cup? Two coffee, two K-cups, please. Um, and when someone goes above and beyond like that, we really appreciate it. Yeah. But also, we appreciate it for them because then we get to talk about them more and promote their shop more in more yeah. of our episodes. Exactly. Just to get the word out more about them. Yeah. So. This is a good one. This one's really, really strong. I really like it. I do, too. It's like a... Like a wake me up. Or, yeah. I don't know. Well, the name of it, just so you guys know, it's Kenya AA. Yep. That was the name on the bag. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's definitely, it has like a zing. Yeah. I really like it. And actually, so we normally have our coffee with creamer, but today. Oh my God, who are we? I know. Carson got me an espresso machine for Christmas. And of course I opened it three weeks early. And we made this coffee today with almond milk. It's sweetened almond milk because obviously we usually put creamer in it. But it's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we didn't do our hazelnut creamer. Yeah, we didn't, sadly. Like we said, new year, new us. Yeah, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is really good. It's really strong. I feel like it's a good coffee for a Monday. You know Definitely. What I mean? Like, I feel a little perked up already. Mm-hmm. Get it? Perked up. <laughs> <laughs> coffee Very joke. punny. Yeah. Um, but... Because I was feeling really kind of sleepy when I got here today, Mm -hmm. and I've had an aura for the past two days. Mm. If no one knows what that is, look it up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, like, I've just had a headache. My my eyes have been hurting me a lot. So 
this, I feel like, gave me a little boost. Yeah. It's a really good coffee. I feel like it's also very rich, if that makes sense. And it's like a, it's definitely not watery at all. No. Like, it's very, it's very strong and potent. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you could tell that it's fresh, Mm -hmm. once again, which, I mean, we always get these coffee places that send us, like, their fresh beans. And, like, we just ground them this morning. (laughs) (laughs) And they're so environmentally friendly. Yeah. And um, I think that another thing that I really like about it is, like, you had... We were kind of talking before we started, and you had said it's a little bitter at first, but I think that's just because of how strong it is. It, Mm -hmm. like, hits you, but then that kind of fades out a little bit. Like, that's not... It's not a bitter coffee, if that makes sense. It's really good. Yeah. This is one of my top ones, I think. I think so, too. Yeah. We say that that every week. (laughs) Everybody's sending us really fucking good coffee. I wouldn't lie about that. I feel like I would be honest if somebody sent a bad cup of coffee that I didn't like, but I've truly You'd liked like, everything. <laughs> yeah, like that Starbucks one. Yeah, like that. I love Starbucks, but that Me was too, terrible. Me too, but that sucked. And we've was, said that. It was really bad. Yeah. But yeah, this is, I, I really like this coffee. Yeah, same. So are we ready? Yeah. Okay. Grab your coffee and have a morning with us. Okay. So today's case is actually our second requested case that we've had sent into us by our fellow fans, and we are actually so happy about it. Mm-hmm. We love that people are getting interactive with us, and it actually just makes it so much more fun. It does. I mean, it's fun to look up cases on our own, but it's even more fun getting them from you guys, because we're yeah. like, oh my god. So, I mean, this one we've never heard, I've never heard of. I've never heard of it either, and it was from an area where I was familiar of, like, it's almost like where I grew up, and I've never heard of it. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to have somebody send this into us. Um, her- keep sending it. <laughs> yeah, please. Please keep sending it. We really look forward to people, you know, talking to us and giving us ideas. And like we said, this is our second case that somebody had requested. And the person that requested today's case was named Elisa DeBello. Thank you so much, Elisa. Thanks, Elisa. Yeah, we're really, we're really excited to talk about today's case. So... Today, we are talking about Jamie Silvanek, and it's not just about her, but we'll just preface it with that. Yeah, I almost feel bad about this one, like, name, like, naming it that. Just her. Yeah. But the majority of it is in regards to her, so we kind of have to. Right, when you look up the name Jamie Silvanek, that's what generates all the, the case articles. Yeah. So, it's not just about her, though. Yeah. So, Jamie was born February 24th, 2001. At the time of the story, she was 14 years old. She lived in Upper McCungie Township in Orofield, PA, which is Lehigh County. Her parents' names were Cheryl and David Silvanek, and her brother was Alex Silvanek. She was described as passionate and compassionate. Her Regarding herself and her, bi- her Twitter bio... This is actually a quote that she had put in there, and it says, Incurable optimist with an insatiable thirst for knowledge and a ravenous appetite for adventure. Open-minded secular humanist. Which, those are those are a lot of big words. Those are a lot of big words, especially for a 14-year-old. <laughs> to describe herself and her Instagram. Yeah. Her, sorry, her Twitter bio. Yeah. And most of this background information we actually got from looking at her Twitter because there right. wasn't a lot online about her in general, like, her history and all that. Right. 
Right. So on her Twitter, she was very adamant also as describing herself as an atheist. So we'll just throw that out there. And just keep this tweet in mind. This tweet was actually sent out six days before the case that we're going to be talking about. March 9th, 2015, she tweeted, An excerpt of advice. It's abstain from doing stupid things out of anger or rage, whether it be directed at yourself or someone else. Okay, Jamie. Which is very, very ironic. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. She seems very contradictory about a lot of things on her social media. It's, Definitely. It seems like she's a she wants to come off as a very optimistic person and then also posts a lot of pessimistic things. Yeah. Like one second she'll be like, "Oh, be positive. Do this. Look at things through this lens or whatever." And then in the next breath, she'll be like, "I hate the human race." Like it's right. very back and forth. Right, she can be really moody at times, cynical and resentful of other people in her posts while trying to portray herself as an optimist, Mm -hmm. which just also keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, David, which I mentioned was Jamie's father, uh, he said that Jamie had never been in trouble before the incident, but within a year before, she developed mood swings and attitude changes. Which, okay, could also have to do with the thing, like, that could explain the things she's posting, why she's flip-flopping back and forth, and I feel like 13, 14 years old... You do go through mood swings. Yeah, you do go through mood swings, you're trying to figure out who you are, you're very confused, it's like a very confusing stage of life. Right, right. So that was just kind of a background. Now we will get into the timeline of what happened uh, regarding this case. Yeah. So, our timeline starts October 2014. Jamie's in 8th grade, and at this time, she's 13 years old. As we mentioned, the time of the incident, she'll be 14, but we're backtracking a bit. Yep. So, she's 13 years old, and she meets a boy named, well, technically a man, named Caleb Barnes, who is a 20-year-old soldier at a rock festival in in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And she actually tells him she's 17, Right. So he doesn't know that she's 13. Which is really not okay in the yeah. first place. Yeah. And they get each other's phone numbers and they start building a relationship through texting and through Twitter. And occasionally they start seeing each other when Jamie visited her grandmother in Carbon County because Caleb Barnes was based in Fort Meade, Maryland, which I guess was a relatively close distance. I didn't really look it up, but I'm either. assuming it was like driving distance. Right. So then we get into March 6, 2015, and Cheryl, Jamie's mom, meets Caleb for the first time, but Cheryl learns his age and tells them to end the relationship. Right. Obviously, your daughter, if she's 13 and you find out this man is 20, you're like, what the hell is going on here? Right. And I actually read somewhere that allegedly, allegedly, that she, Jamie's mother, Cheryl, actually pulled out Jamie's uh, passport and showed Caleb her age, saying, look, she is actually 13 years old. Uh She's not 17. And he basically, when prompted for a response, he said, well, you can't fake a passport. So he knew, at (sighs) that point at least, that she was... Maybe they were already too deep in by then. Right. I don't know. Not making up excuses, but I'm just trying to understand his mindset on exactly. why he would like make the reasoning Be okay for with it. A yeah, relationship. yeah, yeah. So 
Like I said, she learned his age, told them to end the relationship, as any rational mother would do. That night, Jamie and Caleb have a talk on the phone, and Jamie suggests killing her parents. And this is according to an unidentified juvenile who was in the room during the conversation. This person's name was never released. We don't know who this was. We don't know if it was a friend. We don't know if it was... Yeah. We don't know who this was. And... Also, according to this person, the conversation included discussing her father's life insurance policy. Which is fucked up. And which is pretty intense for a 13-year-old to be thinking through. I didn't even know what a life insurance policy was at that age. No. I barely even know now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, I know. (laughs) And she also discussed planning to lure her parents from their home to a place where Caleb could kill them. And then they would dispose, they talked about how they would dispose of the bodies together. So she had this plan that he would kill the parents and then she would help him with the disposal of the bodies. Wow. Which is super fucked up. And how are you thinking that so rational? Like, how are you how thinking that people, through so much? How do you, how do two people have the same, like, are okay with that? Like, how do you know that that person that you're going to be telling this to is not going to be like, I'm calling the police Like, how on do you, you start that conversation? Right. I don't know. I immediately got Gypsy Rose, Rose Blanchard vibes from this, and I don't know. I didn't it's like very, it. It's very, very strange. Right. So that was March 6, 2015. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go on to March 14th, 2015, and I'm going to talk about some text messages that were sent back and forth between Caleb and Jamie. So on the morning of March 14th at 11:12 a.m., which was the day of the concert, Jamie allegedly texted Caleb saying, quote, Caleb, if she asks you about your age, say 16 and a half again. And that the reason you said 20 is you're used to lying about to your fellow soldiers in the army to avoid harassment. So when you're in a stressful scenario, it just comes out. And I think we need to just mention, because you said the day of the concert, but we haven't oh, right, really right. mentioned the concert yet. Right. We will be getting to what this concert is. Right. It's something that they're planning on going to. Right. We'll leave it at that for now. Jamie and Caleb are planning on going to this concert. Yeah. So these are texts in the morning of the date they're planning on going. Mm-hmm. Another text is, uh, or I'm sorry, her mother also tried to keep her from going to the concert, uh, like we said earlier, and Jamie pleaded, quote, Mom, if I can't go, I'm going to have a mental breakdown. I need to go and I need to be with my friends. I feel so desolate, Mother. Which sounds, and the the words she the uses is are so advanced for a four well at this time fourteen year old. And this is all these are allegedly text messages and conversations that are going on, but like desolate. Like I wonder if that was her normal way of speaking, right? Or if that was her trying to like use words that she thought would make her mom allow her to go. You know what I mean? I wonder if she, like, normally talked this way Mm -hmm. or not. Because that... I I feel like that's not a normal way of speaking. Mother, I'm desolate. Yeah, I feel so desolate. No. I mean, the mental breakdown, maybe, even though that's very extreme. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, when Cheryl demands to talk to Caleb on the phone, this was prior to the concert as well, Jamie texts Caleb, quote, Tell her your mom mailed your birth certificate early last week from Argentina, so when it arrives, you can prove it to her that you're only that you're 16. She allegedly wrote, 
say that your Facebook information regarding when you graduated high school and your age is fabricated, so on and so forth. That's so odd. So she's basically telling him all these ways to kind of cover her, cover his bases to have her mom be okay with their relationship. To lie that he's 16 and not right. 20. Right. Instead of being like, oh, wow, I'm actually 14 and you're 20. Right. So I'm assuming she's texting this to Caleb as her and her mother are arguing about mm-hmm. this concert tonight. And then Jamie texts Caleb and says... Quote, she needs to go, Caleb, right now. You do not understand. She threatened to throw me out of the house. I want her gone. Mm. I can understand being in a fight with my mother, but I don't think I'd ever wish her gone. No, and I'm sorry, but if she wanted to be with him so badly and her mom is saying, get out of the house then, why not just leave? leave? Right. Right. Why not just leave? Right. So then Jamie said, quote, I'm going to go to the bathroom while you do it, okay? She allegedly then wrote, I'll come right out as soon as you're done. So assuming that this is them planning to plot and kill her mother, Cheryl. I just don't understand how, I mean, I don't understand the situation at all in cases like this. I never do, which makes them so... So difficult. Like, that's part of the reason we are interested in these types of cases it's because you want to know what's behind the mind like how 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 do these people think this way right yeah but how is she convincing another human or trying to convince another human to take out her parents yeah i don't know so seven minutes later over him right you know to go and do this yeah that's just so i don't know i don't either Seven minutes later, she then texted, quote, why don't we wait until we get into the car with her, question mark. This is when Caleb Barnes finally answered her and said, quote, fine. Jamie then said, that would be easier for you, I guess. So they're discussing how to kill her mother. Yeah. And And this is very thought out, premeditated. Oh, 100%. Right. And I think it's also interesting that Her saying, that would be easier for you, I guess. She's kind of manipulating it to look like she's considering his feelings and all of this. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I think she's a very manipulative person in this case. Yeah. Caleb then drives to Jamie's house because, like we said, they had bought tickets for a concert. And it was actually for the Breaking Benjamin concert, which was in Scranton. And that was that night. Jamie's mom, Cheryl, says that they can only go if she takes them. So, she's only going to feel comfortable if she's the one driving them there, taking them home. Which, again, she was a really good mother. Right. And And trying to see her daughter's side of things is what I'm thinking of. I mean, my mom would be like, you're not going at all. Right, I'm locking you in your room. Yeah, you're staying in your room and you're never seeing this boy again. Exactly. Cheryl's mom also tries to convince Caleb of Jamie's real age, which was 14 again, It seems like it was multiple times she was trying to... And I think I read somewhere that her accepting to drive them to the concert was her last chance, if anything, to try to convince them that this was not a relationship that should be happening. This is not, like, a realistic thing at this age. Maybe, I mean, 10 years down the road when... Right. The age difference isn't as big of a thing, but 14 and 20 is massive when there's a 14-year-old girl and child involved. Disgusting. (sighs) Yeah. Disgusting. Honestly. So 
like I said, her mom, I guess, took this as a, this is a, probably a longer car ride for her to kind of talk some sense into them, thinking, mm-hmm. okay, maybe I can get them to talk in the car. Yeah. Caleb and Jamie text during the car ride, and Caleb says, quote, next time we're out of sight. And then Jamie says, quote, I love you. We can do this. <laughs> Which makes it sound like they're a it's not even like you're about to murder someone. Like, I love you. We can do this. It's like you're like... It's some something so simple and nonchalant. Yeah. Like, we can buy this house. Yeah. Like, we can do this. We're, you're talking about murdering your mother. That's disgusting. And actually, originally, she had planned to murder her mother and father. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. So... Cheryl waits in the hotel lobby while they were at the concert. So she was a trooper. Mm -hmm. She took them all the way to the concert, waited in the lobby for the concert to be over. And there was actually video footage to prove all of this. And then sometime after, they eat at Chris's family restaurant in Upper Mukunji around 12 a.m. I hope I'm saying that right. Mukunji. Yeah, Mukunji, I don't know. Around 12 a.m. after the concert. And then Cheryl waits in the car while they eat. So Which, she's just her sh- their chauffeur the whole night. Yeah, and it's like... For a relationship clearly, she doesn't condone. Yeah, and clearly she's... Maybe she's not condone- condoning the relationship, but she's giving you a little leniency if she's allowing you to basically have a dinner date with this man mm-hmm. while she waits in the car while you're eating dinner after she already waited in the car for hours while you were at a concert. Right, and this is a mom trying to do the best she can to protect her 14-year-old girl. I'm not even going to say woman. She's a no, girl. She's, she's a, a girl. She's a girl. <sighs> yeah. So then we're on to March 15th, which is basically them just getting home that or that morning from the concert. Like right. we said, they were eating around 12 a.m., so we're into March 15th, 2015, and this is bef- sometime before 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. They drive back to the Sylvanek home at 1516 Randy Lane. They parked in the driveway, and it's believed that Jamie was sitting in the back seat while Caleb stabbed Cheryl Sylvanek in the neck. And 50-year-old Cheryl was beaten, choked, and stabbed in the neck at least five times, which is absolutely awful. Like, she was taken by complete surprise. Yeah. And there's going to be many different depictions of what actually happened that we're going to get into. Right. So, this is what, look, I guess, after looking into the case and seeing all the evidence and evaluating the crime scene, what they believed happened. Right. So, neighbors, while all of this was happening, neighbors hear intermittent, intermittent, horn sounds for 20 to 30 minutes and David which as we mentioned was her dad Jamie's dad said he was asleep in his soundproof home during this time and reports actually said that he took a sleeping pill that night so he was completely out according to him and never heard these horn sounds that the neighbors were hearing yeah but as a neighbor if I heard that for 20 to 30 minutes I'd Either, one, be going outside to look at what the fuck was going on. Right. Or, two, be calling the cops being like, something really strange is happening. Like, I'm concerned. Yeah. And it wasn't just one neighbor. It was multiple neighbors that were reporting that, this yeah, was happening. Yeah. Which meant that it either took her 20 or 30 minutes to officially pass on 
Or the struggle was going on for, for that, that long. long. Which I think is what it was. Yeah. That's she a had long to have been time. fighting them. That's a for long him. time. Yeah. So this is a quote from David in a November 3rd, 2016 article. Quote, I was beating myself up in terms not hearing that horn. I actually had my son lay on the horn while I was awake in my bedroom and I could not hear the horn. So he obviously was beating himself up about this not Poor hearing man. this. That's yeah. horrible. Yeah. And one neighbor also sees Jamie walking from the vehicle into the garage at 1.35 a.m. Because obviously neighbors were probably looking out their windows like, what the hell? Yeah, what's so going they, on? Yeah, so they see her walking into the garage. Wow. Yeah. Around 2 a.m., surveillance footage shows the couple walking the aisles of a lower Makungi... Makungi? How are you saying Makungi. it? Makungi. Walking the aisles of a lower Makungi Walmart. They bought gloves, bleach, rubbing alcohol, a box cutter, and a file. And then they leave the store in the car Caleb drove from Maryland. So they weren't in the car that their mother, that her mother, Cheryl, was driving. They were in his car that he drove up in. Right. And records said that the footage shows Jamie looking rather playful and not upset at all, which makes me want to fucking throw up. Right. And later we'll talk about how the court tries to say that she was manipulated by Caleb during all of this. But this footage clearly shows that she was not under any duress at all. Uh-huh. She was not manipulated. She was, like, playful. Playful and in the store the after who, she had just helped kill her mother. Yeah, and she was the one who really kind of planned the whole thing and put everything, like, put everything in motion. Right. If it wasn't for her, Caleb, Cheryl would still be alive. Yeah. So... 5.55 a.m., police discover Cheryl Silvanek's body buried in the dirt in a shallow grave. This was in a snowy bank of Hassan, I think, Hassan Creek in South Whitehall Township, which, again, she was kind of, like, just disposed of in a shallow grave, which is yeah. awful. How do you, how do you just put your mother somewhere like that? Right, and I heard that somebody living nearby is actually who spotted something kind of weird going on. Oh, my God. So then we're at 7.13 a.m. Police find a bloodied vehicle in the area of Applewood and Huckleberry Roads. The car was partially submerged in a pond, which led police which led police to the Sylvanek home. And when they get there, the couple was naked in bed. <laughs> which, how the hell? How? Are you like this after you just murdered your mom or had your mom murdered, okay? disposed, cleaned everything up, disposed of her body, and disposed of her vehicle, and you're, like, naked in bed together. Right, and you go home and probably are having sex with a 20-year-old and a 14-year-old. Yeah. Like, she's 14. And this man just murdered your mother under your instructions. I'm just, this is mind-blowing. Yeah. And again, when this, when the police came and found them like that, Mm -hmm. Jamie's father, David, was asleep. So he still, like, had no idea that anything had happened. Yeah. That they were even in the house naked in bed together. It had to have been soundproof. And he, like, I can't even imagine the survivor's guilt that he has coming along with what had happened and, like, how he felt blaming himself knowing that he could have maybe heard the horn and stopped something. And it just really seems like there was no way for him to have heard anything. Well, David, none of this was your fault. No, it really wasn't. So that day, Jamie and Caleb were arrested and charged with a homicide. And getting into the deferring stories, basically before we start that, I just wanted to say like one other thing. I think that 
um, the fact that they also, the police were so on top of this. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm looking right now, the reason I'm just, like, trying to gather my thoughts is because I'm looking at the times. Before 1 a.m. is when all this happens, right? Right. By 2 a.m., they're doing, getting all the supplies or whatever. By 5.55 a.m., which is, like, three hours, four hours later, the police already found her body. Right. And then by 7, they already found her car. Like, I feel like the police were, they were on just top really it. on top of everything. And I think they did a really nice job. I agree. Getting all of this, get like, finding everything right away and going to the house right away and pulling them out. Of, like, they just were on top of so their shit. So quickly. And, like, yeah. who knows if they had, hadn't had been so on top of their shit, maybe David may have not been so lucky. Right. Her father. Right. Yeah. And, or maybe they would have gotten away with what they did. Right. And, been able and to clean. cover it up better. Yeah. yeah. So, getting into the deferring stories that were told... One story was that Cheryl caught them having sex in the car, and that's why they murdered her. Right. So, one article stated that when Cheryl found out, she threatened to phone the police, and then Caleb stabbed Cheryl in the neck during the argument. So, they were caught having sex in the car, and she freaked out and was like, I'm going to call the police, which I could see a mother saying that. Yeah. And then him Your freaking out. Your 14-year-old daughter? Yeah. Yeah. Another story was the day after the murder, Caleb told detectives that he was protecting his girlfriend when he killed her mother. Right. He said he and Jamie had fallen asleep in the car on the way home from the concert, and when they arrived home, Cheryl told her daughter to wake him up and tell him it was time to drive home, which didn't really make sense to me because I was like, you're saying you're sleeping, but you know she told her to wake you up to drive you home. Like, that didn't... Really makes sense to me. And after all that she had gone through that night, Cheryl had gone through to kind of facilitate this date and give her daughter daughter a chance. I don't think at 2 a.m. or 1 a.m. she would have been like, okay, drive back to Maryland. Yeah. And not to mention, they were eating dinner at Chris's family restaurant, which was in the town they lived in. Right. It wouldn't have been that far of a drive from finishing right. dinner to getting home. Like, that just doesn't make sense. No. So... Cheryl left the car and went inside, this is according to Caleb, and Caleb and Jamie woke up and had sex in the car. So that kind of goes along with the story, the first story I Mm -hmm. said. And Cheryl came back out to the car to see where her daughter was, like what was taking so long, and caught them in the act of having sex. Cheryl began attacking her and, quote, wouldn't stop hitting Jamie. Caleb claimed Cheryl was in a sort of rage, which I could totally see that happening if that was the truth. Right. Which, but that's not a reason to murder someone. Right, that's justifiable. Yeah, yeah. So, he said he got out of the car and went around the driver's side door and tried to pull her off Jamie. Cheryl hit Caleb and he began stabbing her, which, why would he have a knife on her, him? And why, if you're a man defending yourself, why do you need to pull a knife to, to protect yourself? From the girl's mom. Right. Yeah. And he said after he, quotes, did it, Jamie, quote, just sat there. And then he said, at some point during the trial, Caleb's attorneys, I can't talk, (laughs) Caleb's attorneys claimed it was Jamie who had the knife and killed her mother. So it's all over the place. Yeah. And this is what you'd expect a 14-year-old and a 20-year-old to be 
doing. Like, they're just literally throwing out anything that comes to mind, yeah. I feel like. Just they, to try to confuse people and cover it up. Yeah, and they clearly... They had a plan in place, but at the same time, they didn't have a plan in place. Right. And during court, Jamie actually had numerous versions of what had happened the night that her mother was killed. And like I said, she kind of just threw them all out there. Mm -hmm. One report claimed that her mother went to buy spinach and never came home, which like... Really? Really. So she was basically trying to say her... Like, someone else did it. Someone she saw was her in a parking involved. lot, murdered her, put her where she was found. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's all this video footage. But so why that... the spinach, Jamie? Why spinach? Why <laughs> spinach? God. Why? Why spinach at 2 a.m., Jamie? Yeah. So that one I just threw out the window. Um, she also said that Caleb raped her and forced her to help her bury her mother, which I can see her being manipulative in that situation, situation and just trying to throw it all on Caleb. Yeah, but she was clearly... She was the instigator. She was clearly laying in bed with the man after her mother was murdered. Exactly. Just doesn't make any sense. No. This is just her pulling at straws. Yeah. Eventually, she told the quote-unquote truth of what happened by saying she plotted the killing with Caleb. She talked about it for at least a one day... Oh, I'm sorry. She talked about it at least once a day after he was caught in the family's basement and kicked out on March 7th. So... She had been talking about this for about a week before it had happened with Caleb. So that's what she admitted finally was the truth. According to her. Right. At dinner, they had agreed to do it. So So while they were sitting down, while mom was waiting in the car, while they were enjoying their nice little dinner together. They agreed, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to kill her. Parked in the driveway at her house, Jamie said that Caleb, who was sitting behind Cheryl, quote unquote, started to strangle her and eventually he stabbed her. Which sounds like what had actually happened, and that's what the police determined. Yeah, well, it deferred a little bit from the police just because they said Jamie was in the backseat. Right. Which they but both could have been, But at the same right? time, why would she be in the backseat, and why would he be sitting in the front seat with her mom? Yeah. That's kind of weird. I don't know. The yeah. whole thing is just weird. Yeah. So then, they then went to Walmart, cleaned up the car, buried her mother, dumped the car in a nearby retention pond before walking back to the house. They repeatedly lied to lawyers, police officers, and district attorneys throughout all of this. Yeah. Which, like I said, it's just they were just throwing whatever they could out there. They were kids. Well, mm-hmm. she was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, clearly... It was premeditated, but not very well thought out at the same time. No, not at all. Which yeah. I wouldn't expect any less. <laughs> yeah. So, Caleb Barnes' trial started September... It was in September of 2016. Mm-hmm. And he was charged with the abuse of a corpse, tampering with physical evidence, and criminal conspiracy, among other things. Right. He told the jury he was not there when Cheryl was killed... He said he was napping in his car down the street from the Sylvanek house. So, this is his story during his trial. Right. So, like we said, they just keep changing it and changing it and changing it. Mm-hmm. Um, at Caleb's trial, he and the Sylvanek, he and Sylvanek, meaning Jamie, blamed each other for the murder. So, they're just, like, sitting there. They're like, no, you did it. Yeah. No. You're the one who made it, made me do it. You're the one who made me. <laughs> no, you're the one who actually stabbed her. So, they're just going back and forth. Right. Then he said he heard a noise and said, quote, Jamie woke me up by banging on my window. She had blood on her hands and face. (laughs) So 
he's saying he was napping in his car and all of a sudden Jamie's at the window banging on it with blood all over her. I don't get this. Like, do they not know that police have the ability to check their phone records, check security footage like they had done diligently? And, like, did they not know that their story was not going to meet up with what they were saying? Well, and police are comparing his story to her story. Right. And they're not saying the same fucking thing. They probably should have agreed on a story before, you know. Like, let's just walk in and say whatever we want. Yeah. So, Jamie was called to the stand as a witness during his trial. And this is a quote from Jamie. I owned up to the fact that I, I wanted it to happen. I pushed Caleb to do so, and afterward, I helped with the cleanup. Sylvanic said of her previous guilty plea statements, I'm going to say the same thing now. So, she denied any role in the stabbing of her mother, but yeah. she did admit to wanting it to happen. Right. And, quote, here's another quote from her, This did happen. I can't hide from it. I'm taking responsibility for my actions, which your client has yet to do. So, she's also kind of, once again... Being like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And manipulating it to kind of look like she's doing the right thing and he still right. isn't. Like, feel bad for me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, Jamie also testified about a letter she wrote in prison and tried to get to Barnes through another inmate. So, she was tr- still trying to contact him. While in prison. Yeah. In this letter, she repeatedly says she loves Barnes, wants them to be together, and asks him to, quote, take the fall I think this is straight up her trying to manipulate him once again. Yeah. Into just like taking, like, taking, saying he did everything. Right. Yeah. And another quote in the letter I need your help. And then, which is another guilt trip. Mm -hmm. And then she also says if their positions were reversed, she would be on the witness stand to help him. Again, manipulative. Yeah, no. Yeah. Another quote, you are my soulmate. And later she added, even if you despised me, I would still be at your trial to help you. No, you are not, though. Yeah. Like, she's lying. Yeah, meanwhile, in his trial, what did she say? Oh, which your client has yet to do. Right. Like, she's just... Like, she's being a bitch about yeah. it. And then she ended the letter with, I love you, written three times. And Caleb was found guilty of first-degree murder and other charges. He was sentenced to life plus... 22 to 44 years in the state prison without parole, and he has appealed to the Superior Court for a new trial. So that's where he's at. Yeah. (sighs) This whole thing is just crazy. So Jamie's trial, which was around February of 2016, there was a plea hearing which took place nearly a full month before Jamie Silvanek's scheduled trial. Trans- the transcript shows Jamie sat down with the members of the district attorney office several times after two days, the week of January 31st, and over gave two over two days, the week of January 31st, and gave them additional details of her mother's death. Also, when she agreed to testify at Caleb's trial, so that was the time she agreed to testify. Mm-hmm. Before you go on, yeah. I just want to note something I read that we didn't throw in there. Basically, I think after this um, plea hearing, Mm -hmm. reporter, like, the media was all pissed off that no one was informed of this plea hearing. Really? Like, it was, like, an unknown thing, so they couldn't get any kind of coverage or details on it, and that's why they, like, 
they subpoenaed these transcripts mm. because apparently after the plea hearing, there was, um, what's it called? Oh, God. A gag order on either side talking about it. Oh, really? Yeah. So the only information they could get on this plea hearing was the transcripts. So the, what you're reading is just all of the transcripts. Right. In the transcripts, uh, Jamie and Caleb discussed killing her mother for a week leading up to the March 15th attack, like we had talked about, mm-hmm. when he had first met the family and told, and the family basically told him to, like, get out of here. Um, quote, he proposed that we kill her and that we had discussed things such as turning her away, me luring her away. Jamie Silvanek testified the transcript shows, and, quote, and he made me comment, I'm sorry, it's hard to read here, and he made a comment such as, I already have my knives picked out, and I was entertaining the conversation. So basically, she's trying to then twist it on him, saying he's the one who suggested all this. Right, but then she says, but I was so selfish at the time, I was so concerned with my own affairs with him that I didn't view her as trying to keep me safe, as her being a mother. I viewed her as being an obstacle. Which is so fucked up. And I think that that's the reasoning that she's trying to rationalize through a lot of this now with her trials, is that now she sees how her mother was trying to protect her. That's bullshit. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah. She's just trying to get Sympathy. Sympathy for what had happened by saying, oh, now I see, and I'm, please forgive me, everybody. Like, the damage is done. Yeah. Jamie was originally charged as a juvenile until the text messages were discovered on her phone, which I talked about earlier. Because she had deleted them, right? She had deleted and they, like, recovered them. Yeah, they they got them. Mm -hmm. They said that she was inciting and willing to participate in the murder of her mother, so, she was going to be tried as a juvenile, and then they saw these text messages so- showing that she was basically the instigator yeah. of what had happened, and they decided to try her as an adult. Mm-hmm. She was the youngest person ever charged with homicide in Lehigh County. She pleaded guilty to first-degree murder of her mother, 54-year-old Cheryl Silvanek. It just breaks my heart. It's so sad. Her mother was just trying to be her mom. Like right. That's... The judge sentences her to 35 years to life in state prison which means she has the possibility of parole, mm-hmm. which also makes me sick. And years to life, I mean, I'm sure most of our true crime addicted listeners know that to life does not mean for life. Yeah, no. <laughs> she told the jury that Barnes killed her mother while she watched, which we had mentioned earlier. She said that Caleb reached for her mom's throat while she while he was in the back seat of her sport utility car as they were parked in her driveway. Jamie said, quote, he started to strangle her, then eventually stabbed her. So fucked up. Her attorney, John Waldron, appealed the judge's decision to try her as an adult, but in 2017, the court refused to overturn the ruling, saying her case was a, quote, extraordinary case. So good for the fucking court. Mm -hmm. Psychiatrist John O'Brien at the time said that, in his opinion, Jamie was the, quote, manipulator, not the manipulated. 100%. I agree, John O'Brien. 100%. Yes. Good for you. Psychiatrist John O'Brien, you know your shit. (laughs) The court said, quote, Sylvanek, even at her young age, 
had become an adept liar and an emotional manipulator of those around her. In using these traits, she was attempt she was attempting to avoid responsibility and consequences of her action, mm-hmm. which literally sums up exactly how I feel about her. Exactly. Yep. Especially like she is playing on everyone's emotions. Mm-hmm. Even in her letter to Caleb, I'm not saying Caleb's not in the wrong. Clearly, he fucking did it. Yeah. Clearly, there's still something wrong with him that right. he wouldn't be like, I'm calling the police and our relationship's over. Right. He did it, but she played on his emotions and continues to play on his and emotions. And is now trying to play the victim and everybody yeah. that's coming in contact with her. Yeah. So, in May 2019, lawyers from Juvenile Law Center in Philadelphia file a petition with Lehigh County Court to have Jamie's conviction overturned, and they start looking for a new trial to happen. And the court date has not been assigned yet, but the new lawyers said that Waldron, which was her former attorney, was ineffective in his defense. So, that's basically their defense, is saying he was ineffective with his. Right. Which, I don't know about that. Like... He seemed pretty fucking effective. Right. And they're trying to say that he left out her history of mental health issues, which, okay, if she had mental health issues, I do feel bad for her in that aspect, Mm -hmm. but why wouldn't this be brought up sooner? And was she getting help for it, or all of a sudden now is this the claim? Right. Like, that's what I'm wondering. Right. And they said, quote, she had a substantial history of trauma and an undiagnosed learning disability should have been brought to the judge's attention, which I, massive eye roll because. Yeah. If you could feel my eye roll right now. <laughs> yeah. An undiagnosed learning disability. I was a special needs teacher. Yeah. And that can range from anything to. ADD mm-hmm. to being on the spectrum to right. having like severe like mental inc- like incapac- incapacities and right. you know what I mean. But like having a learning disability does not make you a fucking murderer. No, you no. have a choice still. Yeah, in the matter. And uh, through her Twitter, when I read that, I was like, okay, this girl's mental quote or. or undiagnosed, quote, learning disability, whether, if she did have one, in her Twitter, I, it could not have been that severe, because if you read her tweets, right, she sounds so fucking intelligent for a 14-year-old. So articulate with her words, like, big, big vocabulary. Right, and they're saying that she had an undiagnosed learning disability, which, again, circles back to, that gives you no fucking right to murder your mother. No. Like, no, there's plenty that's a of people, horrible defense in my mind. Yeah, there's plenty of people with mental health issues and learning disabilities. Right. Who don't commit murder. Right. And who don't choose to murder their parents. Disgusting. Yeah. And if that were the case, I'm sorry, we'd have a million 14-year-olds murdering their parents out there. That like, had learning that, disabilities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't... I don't know. I just thought that was a really really stupid argument on their part. That's a terrible defense. Yeah. Awful. So the affidavit attached to the motion, Jamie wrote that Caleb physically abused her and threatened to kill her friends. So that's another thing she's trying to throw out there of what he apparently 
did. Meanwhile, she's writing to him saying, please, I love you. Take the blame for this. Yeah. It's just very contradictory. Like, she is a very contradicting human. Horrible fucking person. Yeah. (laughs) And then there's another quote from her lawyers. The trauma both stunted her emotional development and made her acutely vulnerable to her abusive and controlling romantic relationship with Barnes. Which, I don't... I don't... I don't know. I... She clearly was the mastermind. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no if, ands, or buts around it. They have text... They have text to prove it. Yeah. They have people, uh, a minor, overhearing it to Mm -hmm. prove it. She... Video footage. Yeah. And they plan to call Barnes as a witness to talk about him and Jamie's relationship, his observation of Jamie at the time Cheryl was murdered, and so on. So what I'm thinking about that is by calling him to the stand and them saying, what was your observation of Jamie when her mother was murdered? They're try- what This is in my mind. Their defense in that situation is they're trying to get him to say that she had no remorse, no mm-hmm. reaction to it, and it be a mental health issue on her part. Mm-hmm. Like, she's she's psychotic or she's a sociopath. She had no emotion to it. She might be it. a sociopath, but right. that's not something that's going to get her out of prison. There's plenty of sociopaths who have committed murder that are right. in prison. Like I don't get their I don't get their angle on that one. Yeah. And then I mean, he's also going to say his observation of Jamie. I mean, there's video proof of them at Walmart and she's being playful. Right. The cops found them in bed. That's that's the observation of Jamie. Like clearly she was a sociopath. Okay with it. Yeah. I don't a clear and she's said that she was okay with it at the time. Maybe she's not now. Maybe she's realized, oh my god, like what have I done? But sorry, honey, you can't take it back. Like no. there's no changing that. Your your mom, mom is, gone. is gone, and it's your fault. You took away her from her husband. Yeah. And her children. And her son. Right. That's awful. So they also plan to call to the stand John Waldron, which, as we mentioned, was her former attorney. Detectives that investigated the killing. John O'Brien, which is the psychologist that previously testified in Jamie's case. And he was so accurate, I think. Three doctors. Michelle Mason, who's the director of Juvenile Special Defense Division. And Jill Spector, who's the senior legal consultant with the National Clearinghouse for the Defense of Battered Women. (laughs) So they're trying to bring that into play, I guess, that she was abused by him and Mm -hmm. coerced by him. And Jamie's former teacher and then childhood friends and family. Yeah. I don't see how their defense is going to go well at all, but, you know, good for them for having ambition, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Reach for the stars. Reach for the stars, all right? Do what you got to do to make yourself feel I mean, the sad thing is I don't want to diminish if... It, like like we said, it's not an excuse to do no. something so horrific to someone, okay? But I don't want to diminish if she did have a mental illness, mm-hmm. but in which case it should have been treated properly beforehand Dealt so with. it didn't let, lead up to this because right. this, if that's the case, then this shows why people with mental health need help. Right. There's plenty of people with depression, anxiety you know, bipolar disorder that don't murder their mothers. Yeah. That, I mean, I've had the conversation with people before because I've heard this. I don't know if I heard it on a podcast or read it in a book or heard it in a documentary, but it's so accurate. And it's like, there's 
there's plenty of sociopaths and psychopaths out there mm-hmm. who never commit murder. Right. Their brain doesn't go that way with it. Right. Yeah, they might not have remorse. They might not have emotion. They might do horrible things and manipulate people. But there's plenty of them that don't commit murder. Right. And I think that if that's the case with her, clearly she had the mindset where you are okay with committing murder and that's not okay and she should be fucking locked up for it for life. Agreed. So I'm going to read Cheryl Sylvanek's obituary. Cheryl L., which her middle name was Lynn Sylvanek, 54, of Orfield, died Sunday, March 15th, 2015. She was the wife of David L. Sylvanek, born in Lehighton, uh, September 8th, 1960. Cheryl was the daughter of Clark K. Sr. and Margaret E. Watkins Lynn of Jim Thorpe. She was employed as a medical secretary at Lehigh Valley Hospital. I know. Terrible. 17th and Chew Streets, Allentown, in the Center for Women's Medicine for the last 30 years. Wow, she worked there for 30 years. And she was in women's medicine. Right. I feel like... I feel like just with her background, even though she's not, like, a medical professional, Mm -hmm. if her daughter had a mental illness or... She would have been able or, to see signs of that. Yeah, or help. even a, like, um, sorry, I just burped again. <laughs> <laughs> or even, like, a learning disability. She would have been on top of getting her the help she, she needed. She would not have let that go. Yeah. Cheryl was a member of Jordan Evangelical Lutheran Church in Orfield. Survivors, in addition to her loving husband and parents, her son, Alex Edward Silvanick, attending Duquesne University in Pittsburgh, daughter, Jamie Lynn Silvanek, at home, brothers, Clark K. Lynn Jr. and his wife, Tanya of Jim Thorpe, Jeffrey T. Lynn of Lehighton, services, a private service to celebrate Cheryl's life will be held at the time convenient to the family. I'll just kind of end it there. Yeah. I'm surprised, honestly, that they included... Jamie Jamie's in her name. obituary. I am I get too. that it is part, like, she was her daughter, but, like, she's the she's reason the she's gone. I know. If it were me, I probably would not have, but I didn't, I can't be in the shoes of whoever wrote this obituary. I'm assuming it was... Probably her dad. Probably her, yeah, her husband, David, or a sibling. Yeah. I don't know. I just can't imagine what their family is going through. I can't. I really, really cannot. Like, I feel so sorry for the dad and the brother. Right. That not only did they lose the the mom slash wife in a horrific way, but it was your daughter slash sister who did it. Yeah. Like, that's just unfathomable. Like... I can't even imagine it. I just really no, can't. No, it's so awful. I mean, our hearts go out to that family. I know. Like, I, I just... I can't even put myself in their shoes, but I, I would not wish that upon anybody. No. Cheryl was, was described as a quote-unquote wonderful person who was loved by many people. David Silvanek said, quote, Cheryl was the most unselfish, loving woman in the world. That never should have happened to her. I woke up on March 15th and lost half of my family. That's just so awful. That's just so awful. That's horrible. 
to come and be. It seems like they were his family, or I'm sorry, their family were completely blindsided by what had happened. Yeah. I mean, I wish that Jamie was the person they thought they knew. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. it's awful that such a wonderful woman, from what it sounds like, had to be taken. Right. For simply being a good mom. Right. Really, that's why. That's, she was doing what she had to do yeah. to protect her 14-year-old daughter. Yeah. And I really wish we had more on Cheryl. Yeah. We tried to look into finding more about her and how people would describe her and the type of person she was and stuff. And like we said, we like to make this more so about the victims. Right. And, um, the people whose lives were taken and stuff, but, and the people affected by it. Right. Instead of the monsters who do the things they do, but we couldn't really find more this, than that. Right, and this was a little bit of a different case in that we felt that it would have been very triggering if we would have reached out to the family yeah. to ask for any details about her mother, about their mother or their wife. And I just, I don't know. I think that what we found is the short bit of what she was, but we did not want to trigger her family. Yeah, especially since, I, it's like you said, it's not a typical situation where it was some, I mean, I shouldn't say a typical situation because a lot of the time it is someone you know. Right. But it's not a situation where it was someone outside the family that who did, did this horrific act. It was act, it was her daughter right. and their daughter and his, the sister. Like, it was in within the family, which is just... Horrible. Awful. Yeah, and we definitely did not want to cause anyone to be uncomfortable or to bring back any feelings of uneasiness. So we just felt it was best to leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And we had read in articles that her dad kind of does still struggle with not being able to cope properly for the loss of his wife because he's still dealing with all the shit that's going along with Jamie and like her right. trial and all that comes with her, you right. know, and he is, he is the man that lost a, a wife, but he is also still her father, and I don't know how he's continuing to be her father, I don't to either. be honest. I don't either. I can't put myself in that position either, though. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what I would do if I was in that position, but yeah. I don't know. He lost his wife and his daughter on the same day, basically, Yeah. and that's half of his family. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. Yeah. So, as so, always, we have resources posted to our Facebook page. I also have a video. Um, it's like a short news clip kind of describing the case if you're a visual person and you wanted to see that. We also have pictures, like always, posted to our Facebook page with the resources. Yeah. And as we've been mentioning in our stories, I hate to be like this where we're like, oh, subscribe, da-da-da-da-da. But really... If you, if you are enjoying listening to us, it would mean the world to us, and it would be so helpful. It takes two minutes. <laughs> yeah, it would be so helpful. Yeah. If you sub- subscribe on any platform you listen to, on Spotify, I believe it's only the option of following. Right. And then anywhere on any platform that has the option to leave reviews like or written stars. Written reviews or stars. Yeah. Right. Doing that just helps podcasting platforms it helps yeah it helps um basically people it to see your your podcasting account it it gets our names out there yeah it pulls it onto more feeds and 
we gain new listeners from it. Mm-hmm. So it's just like really helpful and we really do enjoy doing this. Like every week we're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to record. Like yeah. recording is our favorite day and it is. We just we love doing this. So if you guys enjoy listening, that would just be a huge help. Right. It would keep you know, it would keep our ratings up and us to be able to continue to do this mm-hmm. and it would just mean a lot to us. Even and we're not saying you have to be like Whoa, Crime Calls and Coffee is my favorite yeah, podcast. No, definitely. <laughs> you can literally put anything you want, even if it's constructive criticism, like we've talked about. Yeah. Anything on the reviews or you can even message us about things. That would help too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And basically, do we have anything else we want to say? Do we have anything happy we can add? Because this one, will kind of, we kind of left it on a downer even though we were talking about Cheryl. Yeah. Um... It's the holiday season. <laughs> In 2020. We have shirts. Oh, yeah. Still available. Yeah. On our site. We have stickers. Yeah. We have shirts. We have the splatter design, the tie-dye design, and we have our just plain black shirt with the logo on the pocket. Yeah. And um, if you guys show interest in these, we only have, like, a limited amount left. But if mm-hmm. you show interest in these... We'll get more. Yeah, we'll get more. And it kind of lets us know that, oh, wow, we kind of can sell yeah. merchandise. Like, people like the merchandise. And maybe we, we've had some questions about coffee cups in the yeah. future. Shout out Johnny. <laughs> My friend reached out... Uh, probably a couple days ago was, and she's like, so I'm a huge fan. When are you getting coffee mugs? And I was like, it's funny. We talked about that before we even started the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it just goes perfectly. Yeah. I I would drink out of it, but. Let us know if you would buy them. Yeah. We basically just want to make sure it's worth it because we have to put a lot of money out there (laughs) in order to get get them made. Right. (laughs) So, yeah. And I don't know. Anything else you want to add? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, yes. What? So I think we mentioned this maybe at the the end of our last episode, but we do want to start having... Maybe it's two episodes Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We do want to start having people come on, and we've decided that we're going to have people send us short stories about something weird or creepy that's happened to them or anything in that realm that they want to talk about. Right. And we'll kind of have you on at the end of um, of an episode and you can talk about it in your own words and then we'll kind of have a conversation back and forth about it. Yeah, we're going to put up a little story first with how to do it, mm-hmm. the guidelines we kind of want to go by with it because obviously it would have to be kind of typed out and structured first. We'd have to Right, not just to, like, more, keep it organized. Yeah, just keep it organized so it's not like you guys are fumbling for words like sometimes we do. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and it obviously can't be an hour long, but we'll put types of stuff like that about yeah. what we're kind of looking for. And we would love to have you, our listeners, on. That's like a dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Yep. So think about weird, creepy cases, you crazy people. And things that have happened to you. Yeah. That you've seen or heard. Let us know. We love that kind of shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I think that's it. Yeah. Until next week. Bye, guys. Bye.
information regarding this case and our resources, follow us at Crime Cults and Coffee on Instagram and Facebook.